Turntable Topics brings you compelling interviews with amazing people from around the world, highlighting the creative excellence of musicians, artists, singers, authors, and entrepreneurs. guys and welcome back to another edition of Turntable Topics. I'm so glad to be back with you guys this afternoon and I have a special guest again in the building with me, Whitney Parnell. But first we're going to go through a few housekeeping things that I want to cover. If you're watching this on YouTube, please be sure and click the little subscribe button down there. Also hit the little notification bell so when we go live and bringing you great amazing interviews and programming, you'll get a notification in your inbox that we're live and you'll be able to pop over and join us. Also, be sure to go over and check out all of the great programming that we have for you on Storm Vibes Radio. That's www.stormvibes.com. And check out some of the great programming. Pop into the chat room, leave us a message, and let us know that you've been there. And also, sign up for our mailing list. We have some amazing interviews that are coming up. Um, throughout the rest of the year. We also have an amazing album launch that I can't wait to talk about in the upcoming weeks to tell you guys about. So you definitely want to click the little notification bell, subscribe, and be on the mailing list so you can find out all about that launch. But let's just dive into it. We have Whitney Parnell with us here this afternoon. Hey, Whitney. Hey. <laughs> Back with us again. I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Your generosity of, of time is just magnificent. <laughs> You're always such a joy. And I mean, I really hope that, um, I don't know if viewers, if you're watching, if you haven't watched the previous interview um, that I did with Whitney and Josh, if you want to recap and go back and pick that one up. But if you're new to Whitney, you're in for a treat. I mean, she's so knowledgeable in what she does outside person in the community. So we're just going to dive right into it and ask Whitney, tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah, who is Whitney? Um, I am, thanks again for having me, Tora. Just so grateful for this opportunity to speak with Storm Vibes about what we've got going on. Whitney is a black woman millennial activist for shared humanity and love through allyship. Uh, I am a social entrepreneur for social change. I am an advocate for social justice through service and song. And lastly, I'm also a third culture kid. Uh, that being, I'm the daughter of a foreign service officer. So I didn't live in the country until college. So I proudly identify as African American, but the home within West Africa, particularly not knowing my roots, but also feel a connection to the Latinx community because I lived most of my life there. So Whitney is very committed uh, and caring about the world of humanity um, overall, particularly given that third culture kid lifestyle. Well, and uh, dare I ask, bilingual as well, probably? Well, I used to be excellent at Spanish, but the more that you are not engaging regularly, the more that it just slips away. But uh, I can still carry a conversation. <laughs> Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, I took a couple of courses in that, and once I didn't use it after high school, I mean, I can pick up on what people are saying, but if you ask me to hold a conversation right now after all these years, that's not going to happen. It's kind of quite heartbreaking sometimes when I think about it, but, <laughs> uh, but 
very grateful for the lifestyle regardless. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I mean, just well-rounded, you know, and a lot of culture in your background. And in the course of that, um, during that time, you were labeled as a professional humanitarian. How did that come about? And if you can break that down um, and give people an idea of what is a professional humanitarian? Yeah, that's a funny story. And still, still to this day, I think loved ones will say, oh, that's when it all began. But so, like I said, I lived outside of the country until college. And it was such a beautiful lifestyle and really had me embrace and celebrate the beauty of diversity. But at the same time, it exposed me to the fact that social injustice exists on local and global scales that I was seeing through the lens of both my privilege, you know, living in a lot of developing countries and seeing extreme poverty right outside my window, but also through my marginalization as a black woman and, and the racism and sexism that I experienced. So I was very well aware and like committed to the fact that people struggle in the world. And when I finally moved to the States, it was its own sense of culture shock having to really adapt to that in college. And simultaneously, I was double majoring in English and Spanish and <laughs> I was that person who would, Shakespeare is lovely, but I was that person who would be like, we're studying Romeo and Juliet again, you guys, when there are people right around the corner dying and suffering. So I was that person who was just like, there's urgency in, in the fact that there's just so much heartache out there. And so um, my friends would say, Whitney, you have got to calm down. It takes time to change the world. And my response to that was, actually, that's not true. If I went to bed right now and a good fraction of the privileged society did something little to make a difference, I'd wake up after a full night's sleep or eight hours and see a huge social change. So that was when I sort of developed this concept wow. of a dream and how we can see massive social change at an expedited pace if everybody just does something small. And that civic engagement really is the key to dismantling systems of oppression. So it was sort of that aha moment for me where I was like, that's what the world needs. And that's what I'm called to do. Thus, I am a professional humanitarian. <laughs> and that was just that. <laughs> wow, I love that. And I really like how you broke down about the eight hours. If within eight hours, if everyone was doing something, what a huge difference that would make. And that's also that's also a part of the mission statement that you have with SNS, right? which we'll touch on further down, but I definitely want to put a pin in that and come back on that because I, I love the concept of that whole, um, the whole breakdown of that when I was reading through the website. That's the one part that really caught my eye when I was going through it. And even when I explain the, your organization that we're going to get into to other people, I use that line all the time. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. The idea of service never sleeping was directly aligned with this eight-hour dream concept that I had developed in college. Well, so then after college, I see here that you served with City Year and then worked in homeless services. So how did this work with City Year and the homeless, uh, working with the homeless services, ignite your spark to work towards social change? You know, I'm, I'm really grateful for my journey uh, because, you know, I, I often say that people often have one or two paths, one of two paths when it comes to sort of realizing their purpose. Some will sort of just live life and then look backwards and see that the journey really led to their purpose and calling, but then others will sort of have like everything setting itself up for the big aha moment. And I'm realizing that my young adulthood was 
what led to my aha moment. So in college, I realized I was meant to be a professional humanitarian. <laughs> and then I moved to D.C. directly after college to do my AmeriCorps year with City Year. And City Year is an education-based AmeriCorps program where people primarily serve as mentors and near peers um, in classrooms to really address the dropout crisis. But I was a part of the one team that wasn't in schools. We were the civic engagement team. So we planned service days all over the community that engaged the community in service, but particularly engaged corporate partners in service. And so not only was there so much value in me seeing the value as a young person in committing myself to service, so much so that it kept me here. It's a big deal for a foreign service kid to be somewhere for seven years now. But also my service was planning days for corporate America where I'd engage with other people my age in their early 20s who were saying, you know, I'm a millennial and I care so much about social change and I used to be so involved and now all I do are PowerPoint decks and spreadsheets. How do I get more involved? And at the time, all I could say was, I don't know, all I can do is facilitate painting this mural and making this flower bed, but seeds planted for sure. Um, and then, like I said, AmeriCorps had me really committed to this community. Um, and I went into homeless services where um, that's where I truly began really not sleeping in that uh, I was working part-time at a women's shelter, doing overnight shifts, supporting uh, women experiencing homelessness. But my, my full-time job um, was running a street outreach team, so a team that provided direct services to chronically homeless neighbors. Beautiful experience, just a wonderful, wonderful job. And my only frustration was the fact that I was working for an organization that literally had the solutions to a pressing issue like homelessness, and they just lacked the capacity to execute those solutions as fully as they could. So literally one day, December 2nd, 2014 actually, I woke up with this idea of thinking, what would it look like to create a cousin to AmeriCorps, a year of part-time service for working young professionals where they're still working full-time, but we match them with local nonprofits to do skills-based service to help these nonprofits grow in capacity while building leading allies in the millennial generation and the private sector that see that they can give back in a meaningful way and still achieve their professional goals. And so like, AmeriCorps and homeless services were exactly the experience that really had me have that idea. And I, I know it was December 2nd, 2014, because my parents had been living in Nairobi, Kenya at the time. And I had emailed them, and the title of the email was, I have an idea, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> and you know, they'll be like, guys, I have an idea for a nonprofit. I'll tell you when I get there, because I don't want this idea to be hacked. But, you know, don't worry. I'm going to do this when I'm, like, 40. It's not like I'm quitting my job next year to do this full time. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came for college, you came solo. Your family was your family was still over in Africa. When I moved here from college, my family had been living in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, and then they they moved to Nairobi just as I had finished my AmeriCorps year and was going into homeless services. But okay. my big sister lives in the area working for the government. Well, so and, I, and a quick question. I put a note here. Um, you mentioned the street outreach. So, and that's something uh, I know SNS it has a different um, different levels and parallels and everything to it. But the street outreach, just say if there was uh, someone that was interested in that, would that be something you would be able to help facilitate and help them to get going? You know, that's a great question, and I have such a great example of one of our fellows, Corinne Bishop, who exemplifies exactly that uh, that question. So Corinne was placed with the organization where 
I quit to start Service Never Sleeps Capital Ministry, and she was placed there as their communications fellow. So she developed their entire communication strategy and ran their communications plan. But additionally, she ended up supporting with volunteerism, doing street outreach after hours where volunteers could deploy to support chronically homeless neighbors during hypothermia season to make sure that they could get to shelters mm. and um, et cetera. And Corinne became a leader in the volunteer outreach team that coordinated basically the volunteers um, and helped lead the volunteers that participated in that. So it was such a great example of the fact that she ended this to do skills-based service, but being immersed and involved in the organization had her also become an outreach supporter. She also became a mentor for one of the kids in one of the family programs. It, it's just such a great example how if you can give someone a taste of something that they're doing meaningfully, right, then the sky is the limit for all the other things that they get involved with. Well, that's when the saying where in that situation where the saying give a person an inch and they take a mile goes a long way. So this is an example of that working in the reverse for the good of things. Because most of the time when you hear that saying, give an inch, people, you know, will take a mile. But you gave her an inch and she took it a mile further. So I love that. And kudos to Corinne. That's Corinne. So... In 2015, you started SNS, and I know people keep saying, "What do they? What do they mean, SNS?" So, if you could, uh, if we could delve into what is SNS and speak about the vision and mission behind what you started. Sure. So, Service Number Six's vision is to foster a community of concerned citizens who refuse to stop serving for as long as social injustice exists. So very visionary, but I am an idealist at heart. Uh, and our mission is to mobilize communities to exercise allyship, which is an active way of life that utilizes bridge building to ensure equality, opportunity, and inclusion for everyone, aka social justice. So our bridge building approach is two different primary approaches. Through skills-based service where we match primarily millennials uh, from the private sector with local nonprofits to do skills-based service to help those nonprofits grow in capacity, build leading allies, and engage the corporate sector in effective citizenship. But then the second prong is, uh, the second avenue of bridge building is through community empowerment, which is actually training people in this idea of allyship and how they can live allyship as an active way of life all around them in their everyday interactions that not only includes standing behind marginalized communities, but doing the work when marginalized communities aren't in the room with their own peers in terms of that bridge building as well. Amazing. So not just reaching out into the community, but talking to that person that's right next to you about what's going on. Exactly. And doing it in a way that brings people together and not pushes them away. And I definitely want to define if we can also pinpoint in and define social justice, because, you know, there may be that person out there that has a, somewhat of an idea. But if we can just kind of, you know, encompass that, what does social justice mean? Absolutely. So in short, like social justice is opportunity, sorry, equality. Uh, inclusion and opportunity for everyone, but actually one of the things that we do in our allyship workshops starting off is breaking down for people how to be able to just to explain social justice in a concise way because it's so broad, right, and almost overwhelming to try to think yeah. about and especially to try to explain. So we break it down into this does it acronym that basically social justice is acceptance of diversity, it's opportunity, it's equality and it's safety slash survival. And that 
the world that we live in is socially unjust and has system and systemic oppression. Thus, the it part is intentional treatment. So, like, social justice actually needs having to be intentional about ensuring that does peace in a lot of circumstances. And so being able to break that down and say like, so if any of these is compromised, then social ju social justice is compromised. So if somebody has equal rights, right, they have equalities, right. but their opportunity is different, they have a different, they're starting off at different places, that's still a social injustice situation. I think education being a great example of that, somebody going to a really great school in a really great area and then a school that does not have as many resources, sure, they both have equality and access to school, but the opportunity looks very different. And, um, you know, diversity is a big one, I think, these days where we really try to say, like, everybody does not need to be the same. And that's beautiful and okay. But that furthermore, acceptance and coexistence of diversity even means that you don't have to agree with somebody's way of thinking and lifestyle. It just means that you have to accept that they're allowed to have that. And so that's a really great way to apply in terms of, like, religious differences, right? Like, People right. who have just different thoughts of religion, they're not going to have to agree on that. But like acceptance of diversity means that they can both coexist. And um, lastly, the safety slash survival piece speaks twofold. On the one end, it speaks to sort of like what being able to evaluate what do people need in order to just thrive and exist, right? So that's why homelessness and hunger sort of falls under that safety survival category. But also it can speak to if one of the D, O, or E, so the diversity, opportunity, or equality is, is compromised, then that can often compromise somebody's safety or survival given how they're treated. So it's just a really concise way to be able to say, okay, the DOESIT acronym, diversity, opportunity, equality, safety slash survival, and intentional treatment of that. So now I can sort of break down why a situation is socially unjust. And I can explain to people as an ally too, exactly how a situation is socially unjust without just ranting and getting flustered and knocking through. Right. You provide framework for it. You're able to frame it so people can have a better vision of what you're, uh, you know, what you're saying and what you're trying to get them to understand. Exactly. So you, you've used the term allyship uh, several times. Define allyship in relation to S&S. Sure, sure. So it's so interesting because in a way, SNS has tried to sort of like reclaim this term of allyship because there isn't like an official definition out there, like it's not in the dictionary, but the term has definitely existed, right? But but the way that we coin it and define it is an active way of life that utilizes bridge building to ensure equality, opportunity, and inclusion for everyone. But speaking more um, in more detail about what allyship means, the way that we try to get people to sort of approach their place in this world as allies it's to be able to first like take their identities and really reflect on breaking down what pieces of the requisite marginalization through which they have the right to focus on thriving and surviving um or to fight for their people right so like in my blackness in my womanhood i've chosen to be an activist for my people but it's not like my responsibility to do that because it's not my responsibility to dismantle the systems of oppression that are oppressing me um but if we can all also break down what our pieces of privilege look like, that's where we have a responsibility to execute allyship, to be allies for that corresponding marginalized. So like with myself being an example, sure, I'm a black woman in marginalization, but in my privilege, I'm housed, um, I'm straight, I'm Christian, I'm able-bodied. So many things that then I have a responsibility making up that position of privilege that is able to thrive and quite frankly is 
perpetuating the systemic oppression. I have the responsibility to execute allyship, but also the opportunity to dismantle that uh, that oppression as well. So like that's phase one is really getting people to be able to understand where there should be allies. Like I can't be an ally for black people against racism because I'm black. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. To see like it's applicable to just your privilege. And then we break down allyship as an active way of life that falls into this claim acronym. The allyship means that you care, learn, act, influence, and maintain. And that's a cyclical thing that you should always be doing for the rest of your life. It is, it is what you should be committed to for life. And so like with that concept of a, and context of really understanding what allyship means, it then allows us to show how our programming Oh, it basically works towards this idea of allyship and equipping and empowering people to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. To, to me, it does. And so I hope this translates um, for you viewers as well. Um, feel free. We'll put up an, um, an email if you do have any questions or want to reach out to Whitney. I'll see if we can get an email um, or a best practice way to contact her. Uh, but to me, I completely understand what you were trying to say. So like I said, I hope it relays well. If not, we'll bring you back again. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's very I understand somebody um, hit the nail on the head in terms of like how there are certain people who aren't just visionary idealists, but it's almost like we spiritually sort of escape to what the world could and should be and then have to like re-enter into society to try to like bring people along a little bit into that and then like have to escape again for our recharging. And so I realized that like my way of thinking about allyship is, is super like <laughs> out there and idealist, but I'm the person who believes that, like, idealism is realism. Like, we can achieve <laughs> the best possible life for people. We have to believe that, you know? Well, so when when SNS goes into a community, what takes place once SNS gets involved with the community? What does it do for that particular community? Sure. So, first of all, I like to say that we are mobilizers of energy that is already there. So, people who want it, who know that there are issues involved and want to do something, they just don't quite know how to use that energy. So that's why, you know, it's so exciting to start off, have our first um, place in D.C. and we'll likely always be in sort of like metropolitan areas where there is that energy, that corporate millennial energy that's just aching to do something, etc. Um, but then our approach is sort of twofold from skills-based programming and um, community empowerment. So Entering the community, the stakeholders from our skills-based programming that we really approach are, first of all, engaging the local nonprofits. Because local nonprofits, they're at the ground level of really knowing what's going on, what the issues are, and the nonprofits exist there because there are those issues. And since they're on the ground level working with the community, they know what solutions are necessary. Right. capacity to execute. So we identify nonprofits and we just identify sort of what issues are going on based on that. And then we also sort of identify that millennial energy, particularly from the corporate sector that so wants to be involved, doesn't know how, wants to be connected, etc. And then we engage the private sector as well that is very much wanting and willing to engage in active citizenship through their employees and being able to use their resources and skills too. So those three stakeholders are sort of the big things for our skills-based service that allows for what I call, you know, the triple win effect of skills-based service in that we are empowering our local nonprofit to execute their solutions tenfold. We are engaging the corporate sector and the private sector in active citizenship and we are building our next generation of leading allies through millennials um, in the private sector and then separately with our allyship workshop which is a half-day workshop that really equips people 
and being bridge builders and standing behind a marginalized community. So that's really an opportunity for anybody to sort of jump in for a day, get equipped and empowered to see that they can exercise allyship in every way of life, and then just go out, go forth, and do it. Uh, so at the end of the day, we're really trying to work on energy that's already there and ready to go. And this is all volunteer-based, right? Correct. It's all volunteer. So then what individuals make up the base of volunteers that partner their skills with SNS? Sure. So at the end of the day, we have three different programs. We have a fellowship here of part-time service for working young professionals. So these are 22 to 30-year-olds who are in the private sector who are still working full-time, but through this service year, they match with local nonprofits to do skills-based service, also participating in a monthly leadership development program with SNS, really building them as leading allies. Um, our second program is partnering with companies to uh, uh, implement skills-based service opportunities in-house for like more employees. So like, for example, our partnership with Avocet engages about 60% of their employees in skills-based service products over the course of the year. And what was the name again? So that's an opportunity to engage more of the corporate sector as well. And then lastly, we've got our, our allyship workshops. So speaking specifically to the volunteers that we're really engaging, it's, it's like I said, it's those people who are itching to get involved and are just saying, Give me the opportunity, because especially these days, you've got there's it's it's hard to find a good match. There's so much happening. You don't know how you can be best used. There's all this data around how millennials need to feel valued and stuff. And so it's not just about them doing service. It's about doing service where they feel they are giving something of specific value to someone. <laughs> all that to say, we're mobilizing energy. Are people who are just aching saying, use me, use me in a good way, please. I don't know what to do. Um, and who have skills that they can really offer and matching that with the need that exists with our local nonprofits. Wow, the, I'm telling you, the, the mission and the backing behind SNS, it's a beautiful thing. And I've, I'm so privileged and honored that we were introduced and I was able to find out about this, you know, and be able to bring it out of, I'd say, the D.C. area a little bit. And, you know, start when I talk to people here in the community and give them, you know, different ideas based off of some of the things you've shared with me about SNS that may help them facilitate here in Houston. Awesome. Thanks. And that's an example of the movement goes on, right? So that, that's exactly what the goal is, this movement of allyship, equipping and empowerment. So thank you for contributing to the movement. Hey, I'm trying here. So uh, so with SNS, and you mentioned that it has three parts. Um, a, it's like a three-prong outline that promotes the allyship. So, and you had mentioned allyship training, the corporate partnerships, and then like a year of service, is that is that right? Yeah, uh, yeah and particularly a year of part-time service. So unlike AmeriCorps, where somebody doing this full-time year of service, these participants are still working full-time at their jobs, but doing this year of service on a part-time basis as a way of demonstrating that when you finish this year, you can keep doing exactly this kind of thing for the rest of your life and not have to sacrifice your career goals. Okay, so then with the, with the part-time service for a year, it's just not... Um, just say if, an if you ran into an individual and they said, okay, I want to be involved with SNS, you actually go into corporate companies. That's where the people are selected that do the volunteering. Or is any individual able to, um, that's, you know, any viewer that's watching this, are they able to participate or would they have to be directly in the DMV DC area to work with SNS? Great question. So, 
plug applications for class three just opened <laughs> of our fellowship. That was not set up. I had no idea about this. It was an under <laughs> So someone in the DMV area that is under 30, 22 to 30, um, can absolutely apply. And like, so for our fellowship, um, we definitely do recruitment at companies where companies are sponsoring employees, et cetera, but anybody can apply. And then the idea is ideally their companies are willing to sponsor their participation because not only is it an opportunity for active citizenship, but it's professional development through taking on leadership roles for projects that they otherwise wouldn't be able to lead at work. It's retention. So much data is showing that millennials these days when they're going into the workforce aren't asking like, what are the best benefits I can get? It's what does your company do in the community and how much time will I be able to give? So it's a great opportunity. There's just so much incentive for employers to support their participation, but if not, there's still avenues to participate. Um, so all that to say, definitely, ideally, any millennial applies, and, and the process from there is that you know, we accept our fellows, because it's an intensive year, so we want to make sure we're getting people who are going to be committed. And once they're accepted, we have a database of over 50 nonprofit partners who all have positions that they want to fill, that then we really go through an appropriate matching process based on the nonprofit's needs and the incoming fellows interest area, passion, skills that they can offer, skills that they want to develop, et cetera. So it's pretty intensive. Okay. So they just go to the SNS website, Service Never Sleeps? Yes. And they go to that fellowship tab. <laughs> <laughs> and they can find the application there. Do October 31st. After Halloween celebrations going, so make your application to change the world. <laughs> hey, there you have it. So then falling into the cor um, the corporate partnership. Well, I guess we kind of tied it in a little bit about how the part-time service works with the corporate partnerships, or is there something additional under the corporate partnership prong that you wanted to speak on? Yeah, great question. So we do separately have a corporate partnership program. We're like with Avacyn, um, we will partner with a company to completely, to really engage that company's employees in skills-based service opportunities. So the model is very similar in that it's skills-based opportunities. And it's like, yay, because of the more corporate partners that we get, all these 50, like 50, we only get, we don't have 50 fellows every year. So we have all these nonprofits that want needs. So having corporate partners is a great way to fill that need as well. Um, but our partnership opportunity is a way for our companies often to like do group service projects, skills-based service projects. So what we say is that ultimately like corporations are able to do skill in, engage in skills-based service opportunities, whether it's through sponsoring a few employees as sort of ambassadors and representatives to participate and then even bring that back to their companies. Like several of our fellows last year after doing their work as fellows would then lead service days at their companies um, at these nonprofits. So they're great liaisons as ambassadors through the fellowship program or through like this intensive corporate partnership where they want to engage more than those three people. And, and so this is a way to engage 60% of the people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so then how does that tie in with the last prong, um, the allyship training? Great question. So when I first got that idea on December 2nd and emailed my parents, the big idea was this fellowship year of service. That was the big idea that I was going to start when I was 40. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you're a little ahead. I think you're a little ahead of schedule. <laughs> uh, but then great opportunities came along in 2015 where I 
uh, we, the Aspen Institute very graciously decided to incubate us under the Center for Urban Innovation. And it was like, <laughs> either jump at this great opportunity or wait till you're 40. And I jumped. Um, but basically, the, the idea of Service Never Sleeps was this year of part-time service. But for me, I always felt like this is a solid program, particularly with this great triple win model of impact. But I want to create a movement. I want to change the world as a movement of allyship, you know? And so what was exciting was that once we launched our fellowship year in 2016, then we realized that it was actually Avacyn who was like, yeah, we can sponsor an employee, but we want to be able to engage more people in this. And we realized we had a template for that from the fellowship. So we are like, okay, we'll add a second program, corporate partnerships. And then by the end of last year, we were just hearing this outcry from the community that was saying, look, there's so much social injustice, there's such a divide here, I want to get involved, I don't know what to do, and Whitney, Service Never Sleeps is a social justice organization, how is this accessible to us through just these skills-based programs? So I was like, oh, okay, then we'll create an allyship workshop. <laughs> and so that last thing was sort of like an opportunity just for accessibility to do the same thing with like equipping and empowering over less time, but ultimately people being able to walk out using that energy and passion and making, making a difference. So... But there is alignment, right? Like our fellows have to take the allyship workshop as one of their uh, as one of their monthly leadership development programs. They can actually also even be trained as facilitators of that workshop. So when they leave, they can they can leave that for other people. We also offer the allyship workshop to um, to our corporate partners. So there's there's definitely the application of like how you can use service, services, always, I will always see services such that one of the best opportunities to demonstrate allyship, and you can use service in that regard, but that allyship in that workshop is just like a way of life that can be implemented across programs, but it's accessible to people who aren't doing those programs too. Well, so since this is so such an intensive program, I'm guessing that the vetting process is pretty intense as well, because this isn't for that person that says, well, I maybe, I'm not sure. This is something as far as from, you know, down to the corporate partnerships to the individual person that takes a lot of self-determination as well as being able to say, I'm in this for the long run. Absolutely. Right. Our fellowship, we're not saying we're just building allies. We're building leading allies. We're building those next generations of leaders who are who see that they can be a part of that movement for allyship, which is why there's an application process. And for our corporate citizenship, we want companies that are saying they're committed to doing being involved in this community and using their opportunity and power to do that. And so uh, while we want everyone to feel like they are able to be accessible in the allyship movement, particularly the, the allyship workshop allows for, we're pretty deliberate about the intensity of our programming, not just on the fellow side, but on the nonprofit side too. So nonprofits have great solutions, but committing to this program for a year uh, takes work. So we make sure that They've got solid missions that we feel like are addressing social injustice in an effective way and that they're able to commit to the management and development of that fellow uh, throughout the course of the year. And that with our fellows, you know, we are willing to be flexible as long as they're committed because the idea of this year is that we are supporting them and giving the framework for how they can approach the rest of their lives and that it's not easy, right? Combating social injustice is not easy, but it is necessary. Right. And so the thing that we need from our participants is that commitment and saying, sure, it's hard work, but we need your commitment for a year because ideally you're committed for a lifetime. So let's 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 find those leading allies now. 
Wow. So then in relation to um, speaking on the from the nonprofit partner aspect, how does SNS help to uh, how does SNS empower those issue based organizations to expand their impact and reach? Great question. So, like I said, we really identify nonprofits that have excellent initiatives, and the nonprofits are, are incredible. I can think of so many examples, like Serve Your City. They provide, like, they're an education nonprofit, but also a youth empowerment nonprofit. So, not only do they provide tutoring to youth in Southeast DC, but what they also do is provide. Um, they provide coaching lessons in rowing and tennis, which I didn't know are actually the sports that get the highest scholarship options, but sports that often don't have people of color involved, right? And so, like, okay, basically providing a way for them to have access to education holistically, right? Um, but they, so they been around for about five years, six years now, I guess, and they didn't have an accounting system. So they had great work that they were doing, but operationally, they weren't able to achieve their best because they didn't have, they, they, they internally needed that support. So bring on a fellow who created their accounting system, and then even after her service here, continued to manage the accounting system, provided such a great opportunity for that nonprofit to be able to enhance their capacity to execute their services tenfold or girls inc which is uh, a national organization that has local affiliates one in dc which empowers girls of color right we had somebody who was placed there um who at her job at accenture does a lot of stem work but the girls inc was trying to implement a stem program there because women and particularly women of color having access to a stem program would make things so just open up so much more opportunities for them so alex is able to take her skills from accenture and create a stem program with a badging system that people could go through and train the staff to be able to go through that badging system as well so once again organization doing great work that then she was able to enhance the capacity to do even better Corinne, with that um, communications opportunity with Capitol Hill Food Ministry, which has all these homeless services programs, but wasn't as known in the community in terms of getting support, but also in terms of being reached out to, right? Um, so that's a great opportunity for them to enhance their visibility in order to be able to receive the support that they need and offer the support that they need. So all these are just such great examples of like, we find the nonprofits that are doing the great work, and if we can come in and then offer the skills to help them grow in the capacity to execute that solutions tenfold right for us that's how we're addressing the social justice issue wow i'm telling you guys i hope you're you guys are enjoying this as much as i am because like i said with whitney it goes deep and believe it or not <laughs> we're actually only just scratching the surface of all of the aspects and things that um she's involved in and um, even with SNS. So now, as far as uh, you mentioned workshops, does um, does SNS offer any workshops that provide community training and or engagement that people are able to participate in? Absolutely. The allyship workshop is exactly that accessible way to go through five intensive hours of being able to sort of identify how you should be an ally, understand what allyship means, and then actually get training in both bystander intervention to be able to support somebody when they're being marginalized in the moment and targeted, but also to be able to do that work when marginalized aren't in the room. So teaching people to engage, teaching people to engage in a way that is building bridges through empathy and connection, not combating, right? Because one thing that SNS is trying to emphasize with our allyship is that what we're ultimately working towards is shared humanity. 
a world where everybody is embraced for who they are and can thrive to their highest potential. And that's not political. That's just what the world should be, right? Everybody being able to exist in that. Right. And nobody loses with that. I always say, like, so somebody gave me a great example that, like, ultimately what we're working towards with this idea of shared humanity is that imagine a dark room and everybody has candles that aren't lit and one person has a lit candle and he lights somebody else's candle and then they're all lighting each other's candle and at the end of the and then at the end of all of that all of them have lit candles the room is lit now too and he never lost anything from his candle he still has the light right that's ultimately like what we're trying to work for with this idea of shared humanity and allyship and people need to understand that they're, they have so much power and opportunity to engage people in this whole bridge building idea and to take us away from this divide that is, ugh, you don't understand this social injustice, you're part of the problem, you're evil, to taking it more towards, you know, their systems and implicit bias, that if I can reach someone through shared values and get them to think about, if I were in this position, how would I feel and what would I want people to do for me, and just be able to connect with people in that regard, that's how we move the needle of social justice just as much one mind at a time. So the workshop really equips people in being able to have this approach as bridge builders who are still just as fired up about supporting marginalized communities, but are understanding that it's under this umbrella of shared humanity and that we're all brothers and sisters and that we can't see people who are opponents to different issues as evil. There's just opportunities to engage with them and that quite frankly, since our allyship represents our positions of privilege, we have an opportunity to reach them in their sameness, right? So many examples of, like, in my womanhood, if I'm ranting away, and I rant plenty, um, about, like, sexism, there have been so many times where I'll rant to a man about sexism, and he'll just roll his eyes, he won't pay attention, he'll call me dramatic. And then I'll watch another man who's an ally, right, come and say the same thing, and then that other man is like, well, I didn't thought about that. You know, there's something about a power and opportunity that you have to reach people in that sameness. And so that's what we're really trying to empower these people through is this allyship workshop, not just the tools for how to intervene, but the tools how to do the work at that dinner table comments or at that workplace decision based on an assumption or at that party with that insensitive joke. That there's opportunity all around us to choose to engage in that every day. And if we know how, then we'll, we'll do it. Like every day now, I just look around, I'm like, oh, shoot. And then I want to pinpoint in real quick. Um, and then, okay, so you said it's a it's a five hour training. So, and then with Storm Vibes Radio, I always like to say we're inside, outside, and around the globe. We have people from viewers and listeners all across the globe. So, if uh, so, just say um, somebody here in Houston, if they wanted to participate, would for that five-hour training, would they need to come in, or do you have it set up to where they could do it? Um, what do you call uh, remotely, or like a live stream, or do you offer like any type of books or CD, um, DVD options for them to take the training? Okay, you're speaking to my visionary dream mind. So this is definitely like how this this movement is spread. Like we can spread the movement through opening up fellowships all over the country, but like right now, anybody can engage in that allyship workshop. So we just launched this workshop in March, but have since given a whole bunch and I have a whole bunch more this year that are both local and we also travel across the country to give it as well. So dream is definitely, you know, that based our allyship program is actually threefold where the workshop is the, is the, the bread and butter of everything. 
we're launching a facilitator a facilitator training guide later this year that actually trains people who have taken the workshop to be able to lead this workshop amongst their own. And then in 2018, we're actually launching allyship and action groups, which is opportunities for people who have taken the workshop to basically commit to sort of like book club proactive groups that meet up regularly to discuss and support each other in their allyship journey, but also plan to continue learning and plan together how to take action in proactive allyship. And so like that's a whole movement that we're starting in itself, where the more people that we can take get to take this workshop, the better. And we'll go anywhere to give it. I'll come to Houston to give that for you. Yes. Um, <laughs> I train facilitators to be able to keep offering it in Houston. And um, even further down the line, you know, uh, definitely having some sort of virtual thing so that this is accessible. As accessible as what we do is, is possible, we want that to happen. Movements all over. And you know I'm taking notes here on this, and so I do have it on recording. Um, you will come to Houston and host this workshop. Yes, sure. <laughs> I will fly down to Houston happily. <laughs> wow. So then um, I want to back up on the acronym CLAIM. If you can quickly explain how that acronym works in conjunction with the workshops to teach people on social injustice. Absolutely. So just like we love acronyms at SMS, apparently. <laughs> so just like does it, it's just a concise way to break down how to evaluate social justice and explain social justice. CLAIM is our acronym that is just a way to sort of demonstrate how allyship is an active way of life and a complex thing, right? So like the C is care. So that you have to sort of recognize your privilege and thus recognize that there's marginalization and be empathetic to that and want to see that change, right? The L is learn, right? One thing that I say about allyship and one of our biggest dangers in allyship is that with best intentions, sometimes we can get self-righteous. Like allies need to understand that in their privilege, they will never reach a supreme wokeness. You know, like you're always having to grow and learn. And I think that where there's danger is when we come off as I know everything about my privilege, you, so thus you, <laughs> like, you know, like, no, there's got to be a humility and understand, like, in my straightness, I will, and cisgenderedness, I will always have to be working on learning and unlearning about sort of, like, the pillars of privilege that come with that and marginalization that comes toward the LGBTQ community. So the learning is so critical because we say, like, you should always be working to learn, and that the more evidence that you have, too, that's how you can influence others. And that also, when you learn, it means you're putting yourself in situations where you are having to actively do in the work, not that you're going and finding your token and saying, tell me everything and exhausting them more. That's a big thing that I always emphasize. <laughs> um, and then act is the A, and uh, that's how we're constantly always working on ourselves and making sure that we're showing conscious and respectful behavior. Okay. Uh, and usually, like, when people think of allyship, it stops there. They think, okay, like, so I, I care, I'm learning, and now this is how I'm going to work on me. But no, allyship's power and responsibility is in that I. It's in that influence and knowing that you should be working on reaching others to bring them towards allyship and move the scales of social justice. And then lastly, we have M, which is maintained, which speaks to the fact that this is cyclical, that you're always doing this, that allyship takes work. And that, you know, recognize that allyship is exhausting, but find your rejuvenation and your support with other allies, not going and crying tears to the marginalized, right? So the claim acronym is just a really great way to sort of consolidate what an allyship lifestyle, lifestyle looks like that never turns itself off. Well, I really like that. So care, learn, act, influence, and what's the last 
Maintain. <laughs> Maintain it. And keep the momentum. Don't slow down because there's so much going on, you know, nowadays that it's just unreal that, you know, we're in 2017 and and on any given day, even right now as we're sitting here having this conversation, there's so many acts of social injustice that are taking place. So your organization and, you know, what your work is just, it's invaluable and it's a great asset to the community. And so with each of us having the ability uh, or the power to go in and help to transform our community and to combat against social injustice, for that person that's ready, they're ready to take action, they're watching, they're like, I love you, Whitney, I love this, thank you, Stormby, for, for bringing this to me, how do they get involved? They go to serviceneversleeps.org <laughs> and they figure out the best avenue for them from there. <laughs> well, and whether you're, you know, looking at uh, fellows, corporate citizens, nonprofits, serviceneversleeps.org and touch base with Whitney so you can get started. Um, and I, I can't let you out of here without touching on this. In addition to your full-time job, which is um, Service Never Sleeps, SNS, you're also releasing an album centered around um, social justice. The album titled, What Will You Do? Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this, Storm Vibes Radio is working on an album launch. This is the album launch that we're working on and we're shooting for, uh, I believe, mid-September. Yeah. is what we're looking at um, to bring that out. And we're doing the launch, the release, you know, bringing you behind the scenes footage on uh, different songs and everything that are on there. But if you can quickly tell us a little bit about how this album aligns with everything that you're doing um, along with SNS. Sure. Well, um, you know, music is, has always been a very important time in my life. And, um, I really, I really appreciate my mother was always somebody who said, look, you can have it all. You can't necessarily have it all at the same time, but you can have it all. Can. And so with that, you know, I've really thought, you know, I think that all of us should feel equipped and empowered to use all of our gifts uh, for the betterment of humanity and our calling and purpose. And so uh, little did I know that there'd be intersection between my music and my activism and social allyship, but um over the past 10 years, I've been writing social justice songs, most of which have had nothing to do with my life. Like, I, I remember people would actually say, okay, <laughs> because these are all from, like, the first-hand perspective of someone experiencing marginalization ranging from domestic abuse to sexual assaults to police brutality to homelessness, like, to being closeted, like, very intense stuff. And I have no idea why I was writing it. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, what as I was starting to found Service Never Sleeps, I was realizing that there was alignment with the songs that I was writing, which is ultimately that both of these are trying to use empathy as shared humanity as a call to action to do something. And so uh, I just figured, you know, this album could basically be, while it's a Whitney project, the soundtrack that accompanies Service Never Sleeps, because whatever avenue that we can touch people through empathy and get them to say, something needs to be done and I should do something too. And what would you do? <laughs> um, we're going to do that. So why, why not do as much, maybe not all at the same time, but as much of it as we can right now. So this album's being released. It's being, we're very grateful that um, Opus One Studios, which is a local charity label, is releasing the album and the executive producer of the album so that all the proceeds will actually go to Service Never Sleeps. At the end of the day, who is Whitney? 
is ultimately called to work towards allyship. And so this is how sort of it all just comes together. Well, and if you miss, again, if you um, didn't catch the um, interview that I did with the producer on the album, which was Joshua Davies um, and Whitney, be sure to go back and check that. It is in the archives. It's actually on the Storm Vibes website, and it's also in the archives on YouTube. It's an amazing interview. And also at the end of it, you can get a live preview of them performing the song, which was amazing. It's so funny that you mentioned Josh, though, because we've become such good friends throughout this process. Josh is actually right here. Josh! <laughs> hey! <laughs> uh, so we mentioned this briefly in, in the other interview, but um, Josh and I are friends uh, because he's the music uh, director at the church that we both attend, Zion Church, I think, on the praise and worship team. So he was who I approached way back in the early stages. <laughs> Well, and an amazing producer. So you did a wonderful job on that album with her, Josh. I appreciate it. It was fun. Fun process. I can't wait for y'all to hear it. Check it out. It's going to be on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Everywhere. My place. <laughs> My um, Black Planet. All that. Check it out. <laughs> Did he really just say MySpace? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I have to thank you. That was a pleasure to see Josh pop in. Like, I really enjoyed that. You guys are just such an uh, amazing millennials. I love it, you know? And as I, you know, say each time when I talk to you, it just gives me that hope because with so much going on, you look around and you're like, is anybody doing anything? What's going on here? So to know that, you know, yourself along with Josh, you're doing different things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tora, uh, I, you know, I have to thank you for just the platform that you've really given this work. And also really just want to say, like, what's been so inspiring about Service Never Sleeps is the fact that, like I said, we're just mobilizing energy that's there. And so... It's in, there's so many people out there saying who, who just want to do something and, and are doing things. And so it's very motivating, actually, to do this work. It's not draining. In fact, our hashtag is we're too inspired to be tired. <laughs> just because it's just so awesome to see all this energy out there that's waiting to do good, aiming to do good, and ready to do good. So thank you for being a part of that movement with us. So for anybody that wants to reach out um, to you before we wrap up here, so anyone that wants to reach out, um, what's the best practice way for them to reach you, to get involved, or if they have further questions about anything that we've discussed here this evening? Service Never Sleeps. Service Never Sleeps is your acronym for life. <laughs> <laughs> so again, viewers, that was Whitney Parnell with the organization Service Never Sleeps. Remember in September, again, that's why it's so important. You want to click that little notification bell so you get the notification um, when we go live. You definitely do not want to miss the album launch. We're going to be previewing each of the songs, giving you... Um, tidbits and background information around each of the songs. And Whitney also mentioned that, you know, the different topics that are centered around it, which are, you know, abuse, depression, homelessness, you know, the album is truly encompassed around social justice. So, and if you want to go back and get a sneak preview of the original song on it. Once again, thank you so much, Tora and Stormbox for just allowing us to have time today to talk. Like I said, so too inspired to be tired and hopefully 
more people will join this movement for social change and shared humanity through allyship. So thank you so much. And I'll see you at our website. <laughs> and as I always say, viewers, until next time, remember, walk good, do good, be good. Tornado and Whitney, out. Out. <laughs> You're listening to Storm Vibes Radio. The music don't get better than this.